Hello and welcome again to the Mike Thrace podcast. You're listening to your host, Mike Thrace. Bit of the podcast on the run again today, or more so walk. I'm just walking back from a supermarket near my parents' place. We've got a little car alarm going off in the background that you may be able to hear. But connected perhaps with alarms and, yeah, I guess uncertainty of everything everybody seemingly goes with at the moment. Posted a video on Instagram today, which is something also recorded on my YouTube channel. So if you're interested in seeing the exact video, feel free to head over to Mike Thray's author page on both Insta and YouTube. But digressing from that and going to a different tangent slightly in, in this podcast tonight, is I'm wanting to focus on trauma, but more than just overcoming trauma. I understand trauma is a space and energy that is ultimately transformative. So in to talk about that might seem a bit strange because particularly when we on the awakening journey we seemingly come face to face with a lot of the shadow. The unprocessed kind of I guess shamed part of the self that us as individuals depend on the society that we've grown up in our our sex, your our gender and our cultural background, our, what schools we go to, what, what upbringing we had, and what cultural background we had, there's a certain amount of programming connected with identity. So ultimately on the awakening journey, there is a lot of deprogramming that seems to be facilitated to align with that I am presence, that higher self. And this is the strange thing, that the level of programming and connected trauma both societal trauma and personal intimate trauma and process shadows that we're dealing with. Ultimately, the more we kind of come face to face with that trauma, that we process it, we let it go, we create the space of awakening. But why would we want to look at trauma if we hadn't gone through an awakening? I guess we wouldn't. My perspective is we wouldn't be aware of something that needed to be fixed. And this is definitely the case for me that it's almost like that suffering does beget more suffering. That, yeah, until those alarm bells metaphorically ring in our lives, it seems like the vast majority, at least 90% of the societal reality, probably everybody, because we're not even even looking beyond our own our mind and kind of the fulfilment of identity and if you connect with that an external identity we, we don't look beyond it until we've suffered so much or had some incredible near-death experience which has created this whole space around identity so we wouldn't necessarily be aware beyond the significant physical trauma and, and violence and assaults that you have that clear physical manifestation of the, and our, our justice systems are set up to deal with that there is that that visible sign of trauma but the unprocessed trauma that the, the trauma of lack that actually leads to that that these in and substance addictions and conditional dependency and so much trauma and relationships which are manifest from the family environment that even within the the idea of the the perfect family home there's still this dependency and conditionality and, and advertising and marketing trying to create this image around the perfect picket fence home and and the, the perfect job and everything around marketing consistently 
sending this message of lack and not being enough. But we don't necessarily come to this space of even looking at how much we're being programmed with our lack, this kind of matrix red pill type situation, until the awakening has created the space to let go of identity. So then on this journey, as I, I talked about it today, the awakening for me, it's, it's taken years and years. And it's, I think it, it kind of takes as long as we realise that it's not something we ever reach. There's a level of consciousness we consistently kind of raise and we're, we're literally deprogrammed. But it's not a milestone. It's not necessarily raising the bar of, of getting beyond the self. It's actually kind of letting go of an identity. And hence, the, the more we let go of the conditionality, this kind of programmed trauma about not being good enough, the more our reality seems to align with fullness, wholeness, completion, that you are worthy and you don't create unnecessary suffering or reality. So in this video I talked about today, I really looked at trauma as something that can be overcome in the present. We're in the present, there's not really a, a time. That you can literally choose to serve self, i.e. identity, or you could be a conduit of the I am presence. You can literally let go let go of all the story. You can choose that in the other present moment. And while that might be, a, I guess, a very streamlined, coherent way of looking at it, and it's like coming back to the divine, you know, the, the, the story of the two wolves on the shoulder, the, the polarity of the good wolf and the bad wolf, and you could, you know, what grows strong is what you feed. And there's no doubt the more you align with I am by literally selflessly serving, not trying to serve identity, the more you will feed that metaphorical wolf. But although that's a clear kind of coherent suggestion to make, and I, I, I made it the space of wanting to add value, I think beyond that is the realisation to get to the point where it's a consistent choice, there already has to be a lot of awakening that's occurred, a lot of acceptance of the shadow. So even bringing that back to the two wolves, ironically or paradoxically, is it's almost like you've got to feed the bad wolf. The, the, the bad wolf, the, the polaristic negative wolf, has been already overfed, overfed until it's almost squashed out this idea of, of, of sovereignty, of goodness, until it becomes so difficult to bear that it's like we're finally let to question everything we're taught. And perhaps with many of us, you may have this experience, have already been brought up in an environment where you had cultivated, there was a safe space to question the reality, to question the programming of everything, literally TV programming, radio programming, media programming. You already had a healthy scepticism towards that. And you had a readiness. And I've seen, I think, someone like uh, Arid Abke's talked about him on YouTube. A few other, even though we had a very much a Christian background, a lot of other well-known um, YouTube presenters and other um, awakening content creators seemingly had a lot of even though they had a lot of strict programming and difficulty overcoming that programming, they seem to have had people in their environment that also kind of helped cultivate this. Yeah, Lewis Howes, I think, is another person who had this readiness to question it. But it was within. So even though they were in a, a society that was very much around lack and telling them they're not good enough, there was at least one person. So I think Lewis Howes was his father and may have also been the father, I think, a few other people in this. In this 
the awakening space, that they were led to question it. They, they had at least someone kind of pushing them on that journey. And they kind of kept them pushing, what, you know, what is it that we're actually being told here? So do we even get to this space where you literally can consistently choose to selflessly serve, to let go, to not pursue self? There's all, ultimately got to already be a lot of selflessness in the, in the consciousness. There's got to have been a dismantling of identity. And to get to that, perhaps there has been a, or the cultivation from a young age. Or for me, conversely, while I had that readiness to question, I think it was almost the other way. I was so attached to an identity that didn't feel congruent, that, that it was so out of harmony with how I, I felt inside, eternally, in my heart. That when it ultimately fell to the yeah to the shies, so to speak, it was just it it just kind of collapsed. I was so ready to let go of it because it never really felt whole. It was a complete mask. So this space of the of the shadow is so interesting because for me it's very much a mask. It's what we kind of hide off from everyone from the space we fear we're going to be judged. And a lot of that judgment is an awareness, yes, there's people in our field that are likely quite, will judge us if we make certain decisions, express certain beliefs, have certain vulnerability and emotions, particularly maybe as a male, to be very sensitive and have express your feelings. And maybe an Australian macho male, to actually be vulnerable is to kind of encourage ridicule. But... It's like the more you kind of let go of your own space and really, you let go of your own judgment, you purify the self, you're not really caring so much, you've dropped the conditions, you've, the, the, oh, the you know, the, the dark wolf, the kind of the conditional wolf has been fed so much that it's kind of literally purged and you've allowed this presence of the light wolf, where you realise there's not really a good or bad wolf anymore. That the duality of the good and bad is actually ascended to a higher consciousness where you have an acceptance of the shadow. See, the shadow healing stuff for me probably came up a few years ago, but I've always kind of, I've tried to apply a lot of presence techniques to shadow, you know, consistently see the light. And I would consistently, ironically, see many messages about needing to accept the shadow. And... Feeling this reluctance to explore it, feeling like this, particularly you may relate to this, but if you've come by channel around this pleaser archetype, it can feel very difficult through a pleaser, the person who's associated with a good identity, to welcome the shadow, either on the awakening journey. Because even if you've kind of created this space of the divine I am and, and the awakening identity and you're aware of your thoughts and beliefs create your reality and the law of attraction is actually a huge community. There's so many people awakening in this space to, <laughs> to literally kind of look at the, yeah, we've got the dog park in the back, to look into the dark, to walk in the dark, to investigate the shadow, kind of the subconscious, is to put that pleasing identity at risk. But see, that pleasing identity is still connected to a conditionality, isn't it? And it's to come to that repressed belief that sometimes we don't want to feel into an emotion because we know it will, by association, feel bad. And our emotions do decipher good and bad. They feel that good and bad wolf. 
they divide that. They see something as positive and negative. But that is an interesting space, particularly in the Tao energy and the great way that a lot of the ideas around bad or doing nothing create the greatest expansion. A lot of the time the excessive doing is, you know, what we feel is excessively good could create the bad. And the, and the bad often, you know, that body, the excessively good create the hangover. And the space of the hangover, the, the stillness, not doing, could create the good. So emotions kind of are there to regulate that. And to go into the shadow is to come into the space of questioning these, these beliefs around worth, deservingness, which are at the kind of the fundamental root of the ideas around sexuality and expression of vulnerability, worth around identity, physical look, physical characteristics, which are all tied to this worth. And we're, we're, we're concerned, I guess the fundamental space, it's still that, are you willing to serve self, you know, the, the identity or selflessly serve the divine? But it can be very difficult to consistently choose the divine if you don't feel the divine because you've repressed the shadow. It's interesting also, yeah, you may come across the work of Mr. Hicks' Law of Attraction and um, particularly another in relation to that pleaser identity and, and wanting to, to consistently choose the high-flying kite, so to speak, the high-flying energy, the positive energy. I should really make the comment that Esther's work has been amazing for me and so many people in this community. And, I have, I, I integrated particularly The Law of Attraction was one of the greatest books I've read the last few years, really helping understand how our thoughts create our reality. And I'd recommend that. But what I've, I've also observed is, well, you know, reality creation is around positive thoughts and positive beliefs. Esther's kind of warned against going too far into the shadow. And while I agree with that, we can get lost in the shadow. You can get lost in the, in continually going down the rabbit hole, so to speak. But aren't we already kind of lost in it if we're not, if we're repressing it? That's that's that kind of put that point of view, isn't it? What we actually resist persists is a common saying. When you avoid something, you avoid dealing with it. It seems to keep showing up. If you're not, because the the energy's still there, like. Yeah, if you keep avoiding lack, you resist lack. If you're focusing on what's missing, you know, you, you, what you want to avoid, you're more likely to get what you don't want to avoid. And so the advice is often to embody the, the, the reverse. Embody prosperity, embody receiving. But ultimately, it's still to come back to that relationship between the conscious and the subconscious mind. The conscious mind is the gatekeeper of the thoughts and the reality creation of the subconscious mind. And if something hasn't been dealt with at the subconscious mind level, what resists persists, you may be trying to consciously choose thoughts which don't express the shadow. But if the, the, the subconscious but has observed a lot of trauma and abuse, not just in kind of society abuse, but also family abuse, or everything that's come to the core of that question of worth, that conditional self versus the unconditional, the subconscious will keep manifesting that situation so it's integrated. So it's almost like your awakening will move you beyond identity, 
to the spiritual ego phase and through the spiritual ego phase to the fullness, wholeness, completion I am point through complete acceptance of the shadow, through accepting I am. And ironically, in accepting who you are, that you're not missing anything, you are full. The shadow's transmuted. The ego's kind of dismantled. Because it's not really an identity to hold up when you've completely accepted who you are, which is divine beyond form. Thanks again for listening to this. Appreciate all your support on the channel and the podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the Awakening Experience journey, I suggest head over to MikeFraze.com with links to my books on Amazon. I'm intended to release a few more books in the next few months, so yeah, I'm a bit short of breath at the moment because I'm coming up to Final Hill, there atop the connected with Manitorical Hill with these books, but these books will continue developing these ideas around the Awakening Journey, Conscious Manifestation, and really embodiment of the I Am Presence, the full cup, and letting go of the conditional self. And part of it is, yeah, being okay with who you are, but being willing, even though you, we consistently choose divine, I am, part of being divine I am is actually seeing you don't have to play out an image. You don't have to be a spiritual ego. You don't have to be a better or lesser. The already full, whole, complete in this moment. And you only seem to completely embody it when you let go of this positive or negative aspect identity with it. Then it's all about just consistently choosing I am. And not having to serve the self. Bye for now.